It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there, I'm Casualty Chris. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we're the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a once-a-month look at the Twilight Zone 1985, otherwise known as the only reboot that matters. But hey, don't tell Jordan Peele and the rest of the yahoos at CBS that. On this episode of Dreams for Sale, we're going to be taking a look at the 21st episode of the show. We're three episodes removed from the end of this season. It's taken us over two years to get to this point now. Almost two years, I guess. When we get to episode 24, it will technically be two years. On this episode, we're talking about Need to Know and Red Snow. Man is a questioning creature, constantly striving for answers. But there is some knowledge for which he is not yet ready. Secrets that once learned overwhelm him. Secrets that for now are best left undisturbed in the Twilight Zone. So, Need to Know and Red Snow both aired March 21st, 1986. Need to Know is directed by Teleplay by Mary Sheldon. Written, the original story is written by Sidney Sheldon. Yes, Sidney Sheldon of many a book. He's done a lot of things, obviously, including writing for Twilight. A lot. Yeah. A multifaceted individual named Sidney Sheldon. And it stars Francis McDormand and William Peterson. William Peterson of Manhunter. And nothing else, because Manhunter is, you know... Okay. If you've never seen Manhunter, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm 100% with you and 100% against you. Oh, because he you're is say amazing in. No, man, he's amazing in Manhunter. Yeah, man. Like, never what are you it. talking about, Chris? Oh, Jesus it. Christ. Okay. All right, fine. I'm going to take the lead now because William Peterson, one of my favorite actors of all time, and sort of, you know, wholesale because of his performance in. Manhunter, the original adaptation of Red Dragon, uh, the Thomas Harris novel that sort of uh, spawned the Hannibal Lecter uh, uh, series. Um, he is fucking amazing. Uh, 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 presents a level of seriousness that I wish everyone on the Twilight Zone had adhered to. Um, but having said that, 
Like, this is not his best performance, and this is not a really good episode, other than the fact that the concept itself is uh, very, very frightening to me. Um, they, I, I don't think they, they give it its due. Oh, no. No, no, no. They do no, not. Not at all. This is a feature film. It's called Pontypool. Well, yeah. Or so. Yeah, but you know what? Um, like we talked about Stephen King on the last episode, let's just not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> because Cell is a uh, wow. Cell is a pretty good book, actually. The Lullaby by Chuck Palahniuk. I mean, this absolutely, yeah. Uh, story that we're telling, but it's a good story, and I like, I like this episode. Yeah, Peterson isn't as great as he usually is. There's some issues with it. I like Francis McDormand. I like seeing the two of these people together. Yeah, it could have been better, but I don't know. I dug it. I, I I was actually chilled at the end of it. I'm glad you did, because I did not. Oh, man. Well, okay, let me jump in then, because, Mike, I totally agree with you. Uh, this is a concept that frightens me uh, to my core. Uh, the fact that there is a, uh, a potential virus passed from one another just by a few words that we're never privy to. And Lullaby is a perfect example of that, uh, the Chuck Palahniuk novel, where uh, if you say a certain phrase to a certain number of people, uh, it's going to have deleterious effects. Uh, I think in this case, it's a little less successful because we're given the idea that if you hear what the actual meaning of life is, you're going to go insane. But the people who go insane don't really. They kind of go a little cuckoo. They kind of lose their inhibitions a little bit and start acting in a, you know, not necessarily uh, interesting way. But the the concept is super strong. It remains strong. Uh, I, I'm waiting for the moment when we get a televised and or cinematic version of this where... Uh, there is a uh, an auditory cue that people hear that they fucking lose it entirely and start murdering everyone in their in their vicinity. Um, this is not it, this is not that. But um, as you said, uh, William Peterson, Francis McDormand on screen for any amount of time in the mid 1980s, that's a win. That might be the only win of the episode because. It, it takes a really novel, interesting idea, and it really squanders it. It takes a little while to get going. I mean, we do have the opening kind of thrill to get us going. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the way that this is set up. I thought it was effect, uh, effective, but I can see what your point is. I just I definitely enjoyed this more. I think the issue is I in, have I have enjoyed other things that have used this concept much more innovative and and kind of broadly interesting than this. And yes, I know that this is working within 23-minute to 27-minute constraint, but that was no excuse for something like Profile in Silver. And that did a story that we've now seen similar stories, you know, time a time travel story about changing the past um, and it, the ramifications on the future. We've seen stories like Need to Know and the fact that it does this story that we've seen, in my opinion, and doesn't quite land it, it's similar to A Profile in Silver, but it fails unlike A Profile in Silver, which nit which pretty much hits it out of the park. And that's the issue with this segment, is that I've seen other things that use this same 
idea. They just do it better, and it's hard not to reconcile the two. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because Pontypool's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they could have chopped out, not to jump ahead a little bit, but I think they could have chopped out at least 15 minutes from Red Snow and used that time if they wanted to. Or they could just take Red Snow and throw it in the trash and pretend like it didn't (laughs) exist. Because it'll come around as 30 Days of Night eventually anyways. Uh, Oh my god in heaven. I found it very interesting that they're doing contact tracing in Need to Know. Which is, you know, really an effective way of figuring out who's talked to who and how things have been passed from one person to another. But when you're dealing with a fake disease like COVID-19, it really doesn't matter at all. Preach, brother. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're going to try to do contact tracing for cancer. Plandemic, dude. It's a plandemic. Show me the bodies. 110,000 people didn't die. Come on. Fake news. Fake you know, if they weren't testing for it, nobody would have it. Exactly. We would have many fewer cases if they didn't test. If, if any, one might even say. If any, one might even say. I think if, if they wanted to make this a little bit more successful, for me at least, steer harder into this idea of it's the meaning of life and the meaning of existence. And kind of really punch that home. Because like they kind of hint at it and they mention it. But I really want them to like punch that home. I don't know. I think you're right. I mean, as much of a joke as you were making about Red Snow taking away time from Red Snow, uh, this is one of those ideas that really could have worked as a full-length episode. Like, this segment being the entire episode. They, You know, in in any case like this, where you're given the actual idea that there's being parted from one to another, like, this is the meaning of life, it, it kind of sends the audience up so that all we're waiting for is the actual meaning of life. Um, something like Lullaby, the Chuck Palahniuk novel, uh, there's sort of a culling song that if you hear it, you're going to go insane. And we're never given what that actually is, and it doesn't really matter. But with something like this, where we're told, I know the meaning of life, and if I tell it to you, you're going to behave like everybody else, then I think the audience, as savvy as they are, don't care whether or not they go insane at the end of it. They really just want the meaning of life. So they kind of hamstrung themselves right? Uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to the dramatics. Well, I think I sent you guys the clip that I kept thinking of while I was watching it, which is Monty Python's The World's Funniest Joke, The Deadliest Absolutely. Joke. <laughs> yeah. Especially when the guy who gets told the meaning of life at the beginning just starts laughing before he collapses. I was just like, oh, I remember this joke from World War II. We can only have each soldier recite one word, because if they were to know any more than that, and he had to spend a week in hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and we all know what the answer to the meaning of life was in this episode that drove everybody nuts. Which was? Nothing. The meaning of life is nothing. I thought it was 42. Oh, well. Douglas that Adams. Is true. Fan of Douglas Adams myself, not aside, the answer has to be nothing because that's the only thing that drives everybody nuts. But that would be fantastic to know at the end. That would be a moment where. Uh, you could have um, the the lead character or uh, the Francis McDormand character 
and she has to learn it from that character. And he tells her, oh, by the way, the meaning of Lysiv is, it's meaningless. And then she goes insane. Like, that to me, even though it didn't affect the same uh, sort of level of insanity in the audience while we're watching it, would be something right. that would... You know, like I that if you're going to say the reason that all these people are doing this thing is because I'm going to give you the meaning of life and then you don't bother to give us the meaning of life. Well, fuck you then. I hate these kinds of stories where it ends with like a scream and that's it. It's just like, really? Like, I don't know if you guys are fans of a a, a TV series called Torchwood, which is a spinoff of uh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Yeah. And there's uh, there's an entire episode about a, a town uh, somewhere in northern England uh, where people go crazy every once in a while and sacrifice a bunch of people. And the lead character, it gets whispered to him why they're doing what they're doing, which is butchering everyone on a massive scale. And it gets revealed at the very end, which was because it's fun. It's fun to kill all of these people. And that, to me, was more chilling than everything I had seen before. Well, it's so, not because it's going to bring back their honey, that's for sure. No, man. Yeah, you know, this is the Wicker Man. But uh, <laughs> Yes, you, thank you. If you set it up... This reference that I you're making is the Wicker Man. Yeah, if you have an actual reason why somebody would lose their mind over something, and then you give us one, like, for instance... It's really just fun to kill people, and that's all. And I'm gonna leave it there. Like, oh uh, well, now I have something to chew on. Whereas what you're saying, Chris, is absolutely true, which is if something gets whispered into the lead character's ear, and then they scream off screen. Like, I've okay, seen it before. Well, I've literally seen it in Chronicle or in a. I've seen it in Tales from the Crypt. I don't need to see it here. Like, yeah, give us just that little bit more. It's just you're right there. I think if they had really like steered into that a little bit more i might have actually liked this episode i just feel i walked away from this episode just feeling just kind of disappointed because again it just doesn't do anything new with an idea that's not inherently original so even as you said if the meaning of life is there is no meaning it's all just darkness like that would have been something for the viewers to chew on afterwards right so, speaking of not leaving the viewer anything to chew on after the segment's over, let's talk about Red Snow. Must we? Ugh. So, Red Snow is directed by Jeannot Swark? Oh, Jeannot Swark! Jeannot Swark, uh, written by Michael Cassutt, and it stars George... George Junza. Junza? <laughs> George Junza. George sure. has a lot of Z's in his name, so it's probably Eastern European. <laughs> Uh, Barry Miller is there as well. And this, you know, we were talking about in the the previous uh, episode, Button Button being awful. Ladies and gentlemen, unless the next three episodes go, go over the top of this, this is the worst segment in the first season of the show. Wow, really? It is. It is so fucking bad. It is so oh. fucking generic and boring. Huh? Come on. There's no way you guys liked I, this segment. I, I'm not saying I liked it, but I, I don't think I was as quite offended as you were. It's not Me an neither. offense. It's not an offense thing. It's just, again, I've seen this story before. Why are we doing this story? This is worse than Tooth or Consequences? <sighs> I mean, come on, man. 
Look, this episode mm, I guess, gets well, super I guess Lepre- heavy-handed. Yeah, well, yeah. At least Leprechaun are. See, here's the thing. At least those episodes. The little were people fun of Killarney. La- those episodes were fun to laugh at. This episode provides nothing, even in an entertainment value. Really, you you were offended by it? Hey, no, no, hold on. It's dark. It's dark. Twenty-four hours. What do you think it's gonna be? Oh, vampires! Come on. It's interesting that they are going for full-out horror here. Yeah. The first time I think they've really gone for that in a while. I agree. Well, they actually it's... mention them as vampires, it, it, unlike the other so? episode with the old man. No, I think they call them Valpargus. Yeah, well, th- but they're yes, saying that they they're do. vampires. Okay, tell me what kind of monster that guy in that old man episode where he comes to town is. Well, that's just lame. <laughs> but you see my point. These are classical, more or less, vampires. Yeah, and I'm more willing to suspend disbelief and enjoy this episode than I definitely would for an old man who has settled down in a suburban neighborhood and uh, uh, the, the the you know the relationship with, with 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 that he has with a child is sort of redeeming him in a way. Um, I liked how serious this episode was. Uh, you know me, Chris. Uh, I uh, I rankle when it comes to um, matters of the supernatural, where the filmmakers have decided that that doesn't really matter. And I'm gonna, we're gonna approach it from a tongue-in-cheek way. This does not do that, and I think it's mostly successful. Honestly, from my point of view, I think it gets really heavy-handed when they start sort of weaving in the uh, uh, Soviet treatment of their people as a justification for what's actually going on. Because I don't care. Um, that's really lame, but, you know, I was enjoying this investigation and uh, the reveal that it was actually vampires. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I didn't figure out where it was going. I'm just saying, like, you know, I had a good time up until then. My biggest complaint about this one was just the pacing of it when it came to just how much we had to set it up with the idea of the the main character i am avoiding saying george's last name the main character being exiled to siberia to the arctic circle where we have the the 24 hours of night and it's just like that was a waste of time they should have just started the episode with him coming to this new town and investigating this crime maybe he's sent there and maybe he's not being um, exiled uh, because of his criticism of Stalinism or whatever. Just, yeah, just send this guy up there. Let's get there really quick and let's go. I totally agree with that, man. Like, we don't need, we, you know, we don't need a blackout sketch to begin to figure out who her character is. Just have them show up in our story and then we'll figure out who they are. Yeah. And I guess that's to make us sympathize with him and then when he comes in and talks about how gypsy illegal but uh, you're not in moscow okay whatever yeah he's supposed to be nice at that point right right but the fact that we've get we're given a, a whole other sort of cold opening uh negates that a lot uh I, I totally agree with you this should have begun with him showing up where he's showing up 
who is the name? Uh, I'm sorry, I did not uh, look at the, the the credit list, but the actor who plays his main sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you talking about the guy who dies the, by the wolves, the, the compatriot or the enemy. Well, I mean, he he starts out as a compatriot, ends up the enemy. He was in Fame. He was in yeah, Barry Miller, yeah. the guy that was in The Chosen, right? Yes, indeed. Barry Miller, who is so good. Like, I love that guy. Uh, he's really good. And I think he does a really good job here where you you can tell he's skittish and nervous about including this guy in what's going on. And then we figure out later it's because they're vampires. But at first, it, it seems like he's just skittish and nervous because he's dealing with a Soviet uh, uh, uh devotee so why would he because he's been sent here to the arctic circle himself based on people he's dealt with in the past barry miller is fucking great uh i think he's uh more than anyone i think we've seen on twilight zone 85 so far is uh, a guy who i would point to and go this should have been a bigger star honestly yeah i never understood why he didn't do more i mean him in peggy sue got married he's absolutely perfect in as well and i could see him yeah. having the exact same career that kevin j o'connor has you know it's like he could yeah. be the weasley little uh you know bad guy in so many movies he could just be that character there's a moment in the last temptation of christ where right where jesus sort of uh ends up in his domicile and he tells he tells Jesus, you know, I've never had a good relationship with God. He always feels like he wants to push me over the edge, and it becomes a, a, a moment where, at least as a lapsed Catholic, where I understood the human relationship to God in that moment, and it's because of him. Uh, I <clears throat> I'm not saying that there are other actors who couldn't have done it, but uh, I think for some reason his means of addressing that to the audience like really stuck with me which is even putting aside the fact you know his character in fame the alan parker film uh who is the most tragic of any of the characters in that particular movie like he sells so hardcore like i'm shocked that this guy is not a bigger star today i do notice that we aren't really talking about the episode no because the episode is ultimately garbage but there's a lot good going on in it. It's 30 Days of Night. I know that that came out way after this. It was May of well, the can I just say this, that... Uh, putting vampires somewhere where it's dark all the time. I mean, yes, sympathetic vampires. I will agree I do like a good sympathetic vampire. Did you understand that they were vampires from the get-go? As soon as they said that they were in a town that's night all the time, yeah, kind of. I actually thought it was going to be werewolves because we keep hearing the wolves through so much of it. Me too. They they they've really hit hard on the wolves aspect of it. Well, yeah, but they I mean wolves are part of the vampire narrative because vampires no, can they're not can uh, shape. Yeah, they can because where, where? Oh my god, get out of here! Sorry. Get out of here! Vampires can turn into wolves. You both where they no, take care of no, the vampires I'm, and then you. I'm, want thinking, of Bram, <laughs> I'm thinking of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Thank you very much. Well, you know, the creatures of the night. They're vampires all controlled can by... Turn into, vampires can turn into wolves. Okay, that's true. So, How? yeah. I, 
But did you? What what was troubling to you about this episode, other than when we find out what's actually going on in the episode? I just didn't find it a particularly compelling story. Okay, well, here's the thing, Chris. You're wrong, and Mike and I are. I am allowed to be wrong in your. (laughs) If me being wrong means I wasn't a huge fan of this episode, that's fine. I mean, again, I think my issue with this episode really stems from the lack of stakes and the lack of a particularly interesting story they're telling. And also the end, there's seemingly a twist that they didn't think we should have known was coming. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll oh, agree Oh, he with reveals that. his fangs. Of course he has fangs. <coughs> of course he has. It's, it, is th- it is the end of Thriller in another in an episode of twilight of course he has fangs of yeah. course he's a vampire yeah, but then he turns around and there's blade <laughs> right i mean you know what i mean like there's so much stuff in this episode that just feels hello comrade <laughs> it just feels very played out does that make sense and that's not a knock again it goes back to um need to know they're very similar in the reasons i wasn't a huge fan of them they they are telling stories that have been told better and they miss the mark and it's unfortunate because i would agree with both of you that red snow has there is an interesting story at the heart of this episode segment i don't think that they were able to fully coax it out you know i think they skirted around it i think they got close but i think that ultimately they failed when they were trying to tell an interesting compelling story i don't disagree with you that we kind of go nowhere uh, in the end what happened but but i gotta say honestly like how seriously they took the material up until that moment uh made me uh really appreciate what was going on i almost wanted when the colonel turns around at the end it goes dun 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 (laughs) with like vincent price laughing like that's what i was expecting at the end of the episode like i'm not even kidding it's like the, what was that, what's what's the segment, the Stephen King segment, Grandma? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. A little bit. I think it's actually held handled better here. What, the kind of, the, 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 the reveal that, shot and the, yeah, the reveal shot? Yeah, because in Grandma, you know, we had a character who was closing her eyes to us for way too long, and you're just waiting for him to open his eyes. Sure. Here, at least, we got a little bit of... Maybe he's a vampire, maybe he isn't. If you've thought for any amount of time that he wasn't going to be a vampire, okay, sir, okay. we need clearly, to have a long discussion about storytelling. <laughs> clearly, I knew he was a vampire, but... Um, but the problem is, they thought that you didn't know. Did they? Yes, I genuinely believe they thought they were going to put one over on the audience at the end. Well, they're out of their minds, because we're more savvy than that. I think I think audiences in 1986 were more savvy than that. Is my point. I yeah. don't think it's just us here in 2020 looking back on it. I think audiences in 86 were like. Oh. But was that the thrust of the whole thing? Was the twist it? What do you mean for the entire episode? Yeah, like I'm not I'm not on board that we were just waiting for this predicated twist. I think uh, you know I think we had a pretty good story about what was going on in the Arctic Circle. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit telegraphed, or a lot telegraphed, but it's more interesting than a lot of episodes we've seen previously. And I think when we started talking about this particular episode, you said it's the worst we've ever seen. And that is just... I abs- personally... It's not, the, it's not the case, sir. 
I personally think it's the my least favorite segment so far. The least segment, the, the least favorite just, segment that you've seen recently. It just feels like it's spinning its wheels. A little bit, sure, but is it worse than monsters? Exclamation point! Uh, monsters at least had a. Uh, Get out of here! Don't don't even fucking qualify it. <laughs> that that was bad from beginning to end. <laughs> You just want me to like this episode. I'm sorry, I can't do it. No, I, I don't want you to like the episode. I just want you to admit. You want me to walk my opinion back? Well, sir, there will no, be no... No, I don't want you to like this episode. I don't like the episode. I just want you to acknowledge that this is not the worst thing we've seen. I mean, worst is subjective, is it not? No, it absolutely isn't in this case. <laughs> There have been hey, far no, worse okay, than this, here, here, and uh, you know here. what? I'm I'll gonna fucking you, I'm gonna I'm gonna corner you after you, the fact, and you're you gonna fucking you admit want. to me how bad this one was, as opposed to some of the ones where we were just like, oh my god, what is this garbage? I'll give you Two. what you want. It's the worst I've seen recently. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel Thank better. Tooth or consequences, sir. <laughs> that was like five episodes ago. Mike, five months ago. Mike, jump in here. <laughs> Mike's not going to get in the middle of a pissing contest. Sometimes there's just no speaking reason to him. Oh, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. You know what? You guys want to die on the hill of red snow. Be my we're, guest. We're, I don't think either of us are I'm dying sure on Michael this particular Kassan hill. And George DeZunda would love to have you defend me. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, you're, you're missing our point. Oh. Maybe I'm just choosing to ignore it. <laughs> Listen, man, this is not a great episode. It's okay. It passes the time yeah, sure. just fine. But as far as episodes that make me want to shoot myself in the fucking face, this ain't it. Well, on that note, on Father Malone, <laughs> make him want to shoot himself in the face on the next I'll do episode it. of Dream Streets. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. Calm down, bud. Calm down. Um... On the next episode of Dreams for Sale, we're going to be talking about episode 22 of The Twilight Zone 95. That is broken into three segments. Take My Life, Please, Devil's Alphabet, and The Library. Until then, where can people find you? You can find me over at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. What about you, Father Malone? Um, I'm desperately trying to get on the Projection Booth Podcast at projectionbooth.com. I know it'll happen eventually. Uh, other, other than that, if you want to check out my own uh, original material, go over to YouTube. Check out my uh, show on Odd Five Films, O-U-G-H-T-F-I-V-E-F-I-L-M-S. And oh, twice a month, check out Chronicles from the Crypt, the Twilight Zone. Not the Twilight Zone. Why do I keep saying Twilight Zone? It is the tale. say on that. That's what you say on that show. I know I do, and and I'm not used to it. Uh, check out <laughs> Chronicles from the Crypt about the Tales from the Crypt HBO television series uh, from the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And once a month, uh, you can hear me over on the Culture Cast. But Father Malone. Yeah. What oh, is man, the don't even. YouTube show? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not falling for this. This week, it's nothing to gentlemen. fall for. It's just a, it's just a simple question. Listen, friends I've got a friends. show. It's called You've Never Seen, and my impetus behind calling it that is maybe here's something that you love and you've never seen in this particular light. Some people take it literally, like and like for those dark, people, you mean, I'm, or like and for those people, I want to say, 
I want to say I love you and thank you for watching. There. Mike White, you, Mike, Mike, you've seen, Mike White, you've seen, <laughs> and so have I. Oh, man. Oh, they sure, you both sure have, haven't you? <laughs> we have seen. <laughs> we should start, Mike and I are going to start our own YouTube channel called We've Seen. We've Seen? I will totally comment on every bullshit thing you've seen. You're right, I haven't seen this. <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, I haven't seen it, so fuck you guys. It's like the reverse. Oh, yeah, God. man. Right. Okay, bring it on. Because I'm more than willing. Oh, fuck. Who am I involved with? Are you guys my co-hosts? Are we friends? Yeah. What's even going on here? Okay. <laughs> As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Casualty underscore Chris and at the One Season Show. That's it for me. As always, follow us on Twitter at TwilightZone85, TwilightZone85.com. Big thanks, as always, to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music for this podcast, and we'll catch you on the next episode.